say here in the mornings we say well uh hey be watching if you would please if you see walter huss uh his name appear here in our comments during the live part of the broadcast this morning or if you even happen to be watching a little bit later on um and you did not uh, catch this uh, and you're friends with Walter, I want to encourage you to reach out to him on Facebook and send him a happy belated birthday. Uh, Walter had a very significant birthday uh, last week, I think is when it was, and uh, something that we don't necessarily want to miss because it's a significant birthday. It isn't every day that somebody uh, turns 80. And so uh, welcome, Walter, to the 80s. If he happens to, if his name happens to appear here 
uh, I am certainly going to pause and, and uh, congratulate him on this mile marker. It's significant. And here's a guy, 80 years old, still going out to Christian camps, uh, serving as a nurse, uh, traveling about different Christian camps all over the place, and uh, being stretched, being used. And uh, I, I thank God for that. Uh, Walter, you will be my example uh, to be following uh, when, when I reach that age. But I say welcome to 80s. I'm not there yet. Uh, in fact, I think there might only be one of our morning listeners that I know of that is uh, reached that mile marker. So that person can shout out to you, welcome to the 80s, chump. And uh, so if you happen to see Walter or if you're friends with Walter Huss on Facebook, uh, reach out and uh, congratulate him, wish him a happy belated birthday uh, as he has now reached the 80s. We are in a unique section here of the book of Acts. I mean, there are going to be highlights to pull out. Uh, all this week, it has one label, uh, Acts chapters 23 through 28, the trials of Paul. And uh, we're going to, we have one week, we have five days to get through these six chapters and, uh, because I have concluded and uh, promised to you that I would uh, try to wrap up this uh, this book before I go on three-week hiatus uh, and uh, go out and travel on the West Coast with, uh, with my son and, and daughter-in-law as Wendy and I get away. So I uh, pray for, pray for Wendy to be able to, uh, you know, get, get unplugged from some things. Uh, camp is underway now and, uh, there's always lots of things in the first few weeks that need attention, and uh, plus she's still working. So just pray that uh, things would would smooth out there, and all the details would come together, uh, so that come Sunday uh, we're ready to get away uh, for uh, a little respite. Uh, so anyway, let's get in the book of Acts, chapter twenty-three. Paul, as you recall, is in Jerusalem, and now he is. Uh, under trial uh, by the Jewish religious leaders. So it says, Paul looked straight at the Sanhedrin and said, My brothers, I have fulfilled my duty to God and all good conscience to this day. Oh, that we'd be able to all say that. We'd be able to say, I've fulfilled my duty to God and all good conscience to this day. And, and with that, that kind of begs a bit, bit of a question to each of us. What is our duty? Uh, I think that in, in a general sense, we all have a general sense of duty as Christians to live for Christ, to live in holiness, uh, to live in mission, to live on mission, to make the gospel known to people, to help people grow as followers of Christ. So in that sense, uh, we have that duty. We have that duty to to walk with Jesus, kind of the, the tagline, key verse theme verse for this broadcast, 1 John 2.6, which says, uh, anyone who claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So a duty to walk as Jesus walked, that, that is our general duty as Christians. But, but beyond our general duty, what is your specific duty? To what has God called you? Um, now, you look at your gift mix, uh, you look at your placement, but in the midst of that, what is God calling you to do? What, what is your responsibility um, as you 
walk on this sod, as you walk on this earth, what has God called you to be doing? So I just I encourage you to uh, consider uh, this verse twenty three one. I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. Uh, I've got a lot on my plate for this week of things I need to fulfill just this week. And uh, you can pray for me. There, there have been distractions uh, um, this week, and there are some very significant things I have to accomplish this week. Uh, pray for me as I'm working at raising funds for South Sudan for the training of national leaders And um, I have to try to get that wrapped up here between now and the first week of August. Um, I'd like to really get it wrapped up this week. And that money sent uh, over to South Sudan. I got a phone call with uh, my leader, Mike, this morning, um, just in terms of how how people, best way for people to to give or where to put that and, and how to get that rolled out, trying to go through concentric if I can. If not, I'll handle it personally. The thing that makes some of these things challenging is the governmental and banking structure of some of these underdeveloped countries. Uh, sometimes there isn't a, a straightforward a path to, to make things happen there as, as we would like there to be as there are in developed countries. So Pray that this week I'll be able to, to raise what I need to raise for them to uh, train a bunch of leaders who will make a national impact uh, in South Sudan, Uganda, and uh, Western Kenya. So a uh, very, very significant piece for me to try to get knocked out this week. There's some other things I was hoping to have done this week that are probably not going to happen. I have to work on them maybe while we're away um, so that I can fulfill in all good conscience uh my duty before God. Just that verse, and look at the verse again to be able to say, you know, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience. What's God asking you to do today? And, uh, you know, it looks different. Maybe the duty that you have is your duty of uh, of support uh, for me as I try to get support to, to various places, uh, um, be it coaching support, uh, be it uh, uh, training support, be it uh, uh, the support of, of partners that we have developed in places. So uh, that might be your duty. And uh, your duty might be prayer. Uh, your duty could be any number of things. Your duty could be coffee. And uh, it's a wonderful duty. I don't mean to drink coffee. Uh, I think of Melody here saying good morning to Melody and uh, thanking thanking the Lord for her work. She and Lori uh, taking care of us, making sure we have our uh, beverages on Sunday morning uh, and uh, and other times, such a big part. And a few weeks of Melody filling in for uh, Sue Greeley, our janitor. Melody, thank you for fulfilling your duties uh, and much appreciated. So we give a shout out to our friends in India, Regala, uh, and we say good morning to you, watching from India, by the grace of God. Glad to have you along with us here this morning. So let's continue in the passage. Just what we were talking about to be able to fulfill our duty to God and all good conscience, whatever that duty may be. Verse 2, at this, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Uh, 
And then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. We don't read things very often. Now, I, I have been uh, a protagonist, and I, I believe a rightful protagonist because I watch what some Christians put on Facebook on regular basis that is demeaning, that is belittling, that is, uh, and perhaps it is true, uh, but I, I do think, and we're going to see something here in just a moment in the next few verses, that we have our witness to consider more than our conservative values uh, or, or, or whatever. Uh, we have a witness to Christ to maintain. Uh, and so what we post, what we say, what we do uh, is something we need to give consideration to. How does this reflect on Christ? So if you're going to post something, it might be political in nature. It might be any number of things. How does it reflect Christ? Folks, you have a responsibility as Christian for your witness on social media. Social media can be a nasty, nasty place, but it's also a place where we need to bring the light of the gospel. So I just, I encourage you. Now, we don't see often this type of verbiage coming from a leader like Paul, where he calls someone a whitewashed wall. Whitewash means this. I mean, I, I, I grew up on a, on a farm, and uh, on a dairy farm. And the old dairy farms, uh, the, there were always lots of flies around the barns. And, and flies leave all those little black spots. I, believe, I think it's called fly poop. Uh, and just all over the place. And uh, sometimes things from the cows end up on the walls and you try to wash them down some, but it kind of sticks. And so once, twice a year, we would have our barn whitewashed. And so if, if I can put it this way, and it may sound somewhat crass, but I, I believe it's apt illustration, uh, what what the whitewasher would do, and we would have to cover over the, the outlets and the pipelines and all these different things to be ready for the whitewasher to do his job. Literally, whitewashing the walls was whitewashing over poop. That's what it was. I, I know it maybe sounds disgusting, but you think all those hundreds of thousands of flies flying around a dairy barn, uh, at least at least the older dairy barns like we had, and um, or the things that would uh, that would end up on the walls from the cows, and so a couple times a year you'd have that whitewashed over uh, for purity reasons, for appearance reasons, things of that nature. So the idea of being whitewashed is painting over all the all the ugly. So underneath is a bunch of ugly, and so by Paul saying this, he's he's saying underneath you there is a bunch of ugly, and it's just whitewashed over. And Paul goes on and says this. He says, you sit there to judge me according to law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding I be struck. So he speaks out uh, at, uh, at Ananias. And it says this, those who were standing near Paul said, you dare insult God's high priests? High priest, singular. Paul replied, brothers, I did not realize he was the high priest, for it is written, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. So here is Paul quoting, do not speak evil about the, the leader of your people. And, and this is where I come back to our witness on places like Facebook. What's our language on Facebook? You know, do, do we say things that, that are, okay, maybe, maybe 
we have grave concerns about our current president. We should have grave concerns about our, our current president. I mean, it, we should. Um, and sometimes I know you might watch memes and laugh and whatnot, but but I, I have the grave concern when the man can't put together a sentence. Uh, sometimes he is does very good, but there are more and more times where he is not. And we should be concerned. But to create a meme that it's belittling, that's not what we should be doing as Christians. And notice what Paul says, do not, verse 5, do not speak evil about the ruler of your people. Now, obviously speaking about the high priest, uh, but also in the political sense in our day, especially in modern day America, we should pray for, Paul would write to Timothy, we should pray for those in authority. And uh, that should be our response. And uh, we should be prayerful. So don't get caught up in the uh, in the political uh machinery that will play out, especially in the rhetoric. I, I believe the 2016 presidential cycle had an, an extremely negative impact on the way people treat each other. Uh, and that was because of the candidates in 2016, both. Uh, and it's not okay. Friends, we need to make sure that we re- that we treat people with dignity, even if we disagree with them. And uh, what's our calling before God? Uh, now, Paul made this statement, and but this is a very rare statement. You could say, well, the Bible shows. Well, friends, only on very, very, very rare occasion uh, does... Uh, do we read something like this or even Jesus saying something like this? They did say them to make a point, but they said them directly to the people, uh, not, not away from them, but directly to. Now, I have to pause for a moment here for two reasons. Uh, I'm going to grab, uh, grab my cup of coffee here and encourage you to grab your cup of coffee, have a little sip. And we all want to give a fantastic uh, shout out. And Walter, if you just tuned in, you missed all my uh, all my talk about whitewashing the barn and how basically it painted over the crap. And uh, but more importantly than that, because Walter was a farmer too. Uh, more importantly, and I just posted on your Facebook timeline. Uh, I missed it last week. Walter, happy 80th birthday. You joined Priscilla in a prestigious group of people. And uh, we missed that last week. We're taking the time this morning. Friends, anybody that's live here uh, in the broadcast, listening in, in the comments, I invite you to say happy birthday to Walter. And, and Walter is one of those people who also has been a significant friend significant supporter of my ministry uh, for some time, uh, faithful prayer warrior, uh, faithful friend, dear, 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 dear brother. And uh, uh, I'm hoping maybe I can get a, a day to sneak away or a few days to sneak away, maybe go over to uh, um, Vermont this fall and then spend a day or two uh, hanging out with Walter if that works out. So 
Uh, yes. Well, yes, prestigious Priscilla and wonderful Walter. There we go. But it's not every, every it isn't that often. I mean, people in their 80s, that, that's, that's phenomenal. And Walter, we talked about you earlier too. Here you are going out and ministering uh, as a nurse at all these Christian camps and uh, such a wonderful thing. Friends, I want to encourage you. Uh, you, you know, uh, Walter will be here. You need to give the dates, Walter. Again, it's the end of July, beginning of August, I think. Uh, we're going to miss Walter. We're going to be out uh, in the West Coast uh, somewhere, and uh, we're going to miss Walter. But I want to encourage you all to try to get together and either have dinner with Walter or breakfast with Walter or something with Walter while he is here. So, um, and look at this, Santhus saying, we wish you uh, many more returns of the day, Walter, sir. Have a blessed day, Walter, sir. May the Lord be with you. Uh, man, I hope, look, hope you get a whole week of this. I hope you get a whole month of celebrating your birthday, Walter. You're a dear brother, and you're, you're one of the people who would make the list. If I were writing a letter like Paul wrote a letter, uh, absolutely, you'd make the list uh, because of the faithfulness you've demonstrated to me. Uh, and the friendship that we share. So anyway, I had to pause there, friends. Uh, you might listen to this uh, two years from now, and at that which point uh, from today's date, which is the 10th of July, um, Walter will be 82. Uh, just had to pause. Now let's get back into the text here, pick up where we were, and... Uh, Paul said in verse 5, I, I did not realize he was the high priest, not speak evil about the ruler of the people. I've talked about those things. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and others Pharisees, called out the Sanhedrin. My brothers, I am a Pharisee, the son of the Sadducee, uh, son of a Pharisee. I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. Now, the reason he said this tells us in verse 7, he said this, when he said this, a dispute broke out between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. The Sadducees say there is no resurrection and that there are neither angels nor spirits, but the Pharisees acknowledge them all. There was a great uproar, and some of the teachers of the law who were Pharisees stood up and argued vigorously. We find nothing wrong with this man, they said. What if a spirit or an angel spoke to him? And I'm going to adjust the screen here. Verse 10, the dispute became so violent that the commander was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them. He ordered the troops to go down and take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Sometimes the Lord fortifies us even as he fortifies the Apostle Paul here, appearing to him, speaking to him directly, something that, that uh, Luke notes down, and we find in this blue and this red letter edition, take courage, uh, because this is what's going to happen. You've testified here. You're going to all the, all the way to Rome with this, buddy. Keep on testifying. And, you know, Paul may, may have found himself discouraged, but the Lord came to um, to encourage him, and uh, I, 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 
I want to encourage you to remain encouraged in the Lord, whatever your circumstances. Uh, keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep trusting. If you need uh, fortification today in your faith, go back and read Hebrews chapter 11, the great hall of faith. It is called chapter of faith. Many of those people listed in Hebrews 11 never received the answer to the promises they were clinging to, but yet they did not fade away from their faith. They continued to cling to the Lord. I encourage you today, no matter your circumstances, continue clinging to the Lord. Now, I want to continue here in the passage. Verse 12 says, The next morning the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink anything until they had killed Paul. I mean, they were serious about this. Probably not a very smart oath because they thought, uh, you know, within a few days they, they would this would be accomplished. It says more than 40 men were involved in this plot. They went to the chief priests and elders said, we've taken a solemn oath not to eat anything until we have killed Paul. And this would be called murder. Now, now we, they would justify it by saying, yeah, we are we are. Stoning to death a heretic, That's that would be their justification. A false prophet, they would say. And according to the law, false prophets are to be stoned to death. So it wasn't murder. It was a righteous act is, is how they would spin this. Oh, we can be spin masters, can we not? Now then, you and the Sanhedrin petitioned the commander to bring him before you on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about his case. We are ready to kill him before he gets here. Now, this is a plot. This is a conspiracy. But when the son of Paul's sister, Paul had a sister, we now know this from this verse, heard of this plot, he went into the barracks and told Paul. Then Paul called one of the centurions and said, take this young man to the commander. He has something to tell him. So he took him to the commander, and the centurion said, Paul, the prisoner, sent for me and asked me to Bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commander took the young man by the hand, drew him aside, and asked, What is it that you want to tell me? He said, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul before the Sanhedrin tomorrow on the pretext of wanting more accurate information about him. Don't give in to them, because more than 40 of them are waiting in ambush for him. They have taken an oath not to eat or drink anything until they've killed him. They are ready now, waiting for your consent to their request. The commander dismissed the young man and cautioned him, don't tell anyone what you have re- that you've reported this to me. Now, friends, this would be um, this would be uh, great a great episode. I mean, you think of a movie. Uh, many have watched the uh, the Chosen series, and I'm hoping that, that that gets enough support that they can continue that series and go on into the book of Acts. I would love to see the book of Acts. Now, I'm sure that there are movies that you could go probably Google it and see if there are other series of movies or movies that portray Acts. I know there's some about Paul. There's some about Peter that maybe get some of this, but this would be great movie, uh, great stuff made into a movie format, would it not? Kind of the conspiracy and the background, the storylines and all those things, and, you know, cutting from the, the 40 
those 40 characters and their conversation and Paul and the young man and their conversation and and then going to the young man to the commander and his conversation and just, just how they make movies. This would make for a great movie. But the thing I want to note here is how Paul knew his rights and and followed his rights uh, so that he could have things uh, uh, corrected uh, so that he could lean into those rights so that he would eventually reach Rome. Now, I'm going to read the rest of the chapter and make a few brief comments here so we can at least finish this chapter out this morning. It says, Then he called two of his centurions and ordered them, Get ready, a detachment of 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at nine tonight. Provide mounts for Paul so they may be taken safely to Governor Felix. Look at this. 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, uh, 200 spearmen. Um, Now, depending on how you read this, this might be 200 plus 70 plus 200. This could be as many as 470 soldiers being sent with Paul. Think about the entourage, and you see like a presidential entourage, and all the people, and all the cars, and what what one's the fake car, what one's the real car, so on and so forth. Paul is getting this type of special treatment. It is absolutely amazing. It says he wrote a letter as follows, Claudius Lysias, to his excellency, Governor Felix, greetings. This man was seized by the Jews, and they were about to kill him, but kill him. But I came with my troops and rescued him, for I learned that he is a Roman citizenship. I mean, there is something about leaning into our rights, as Paul is doing. I wanted to know why they were accusing him, so I brought him to their Sanhedrin. I found out that the accusation had to do with questions about their law, but there was no charge against him that deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed of a plot to be carried out against the man, I sent him, sent him to you at once. I also ordered his accusers to present to you their case against him. So the soldiers, carrying out their orders, took Paul with them during the night and brought them as far as Antipatris. The next day, they let the cavalry go on with him. Cavalry, I'm sorry, go on with him while they returned to the barracks. When the cavalry arrived at Caesarea, they delivered the letter to the governor and handed Paul over to him. The governor read the letter and asked what province he was from. Learning that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will hear your case when your accusers get here. Then he ordered Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. So he is in, in, in Herod's palace in Caesarea. Caesarea Maritima, I believe, is the Caesarea. There are a couple different Caesareas. But notice the treatment. He is kept on guard in the palace. doesn't even say he was thrown in jail. He was kept on guard in the palace. And so uh, Paul has this type of special treatment that he gets because he's a Roman citizen and because it has become evident to the uh, governmental leaders that, that this conspiracy is bound up in rhetoric not bound up in anything that has substance as would affect um, the dynasty of Rome. Tomorrow we will pick up in uh, chapter 24. We're going to have to cover a few chapters uh, 
this week on one day at least, so we'll be ready to end on Friday. If necessary, on Friday, we will go along so that we can finish up this book. Hey, we do want to shout out and pray for our friends, uh, the, the, for the children's food. Children are hungry, uh, eating uh, food uh, one time a day, so please pray. And, and for us, this is just the reminder, and I, I put this up here so so perhaps you can see it down there at the bottom of the screen. Um, we in America have uh, a lot, and so I encourage us to not complain. Uh, I told somebody, you know, I, I watch people get all bent out of shape when someone at Dunkin' Donuts gets their coffee wrong and the people ha- person has a meltdown. Come on. There are people, friends, dear friends, like Santhus, Regala, I mean, they're hoping to get some food sometime in the day for their families, for their children, and and push back on Americans a little bit uh, to realize we're we're quite spoiled here. And may those of us that are Christians pray for our friends uh, uh, and their needs. So, Lord, we do come before you this morning to pray for our needs Hear our prayer on behalf of our our friends in India, that you would meet the needs. Uh, Whatever needs to happen, Lord, in their behalf, would you show yourself? You tell us in Matthew chapter 6 that your Father knows the needs that you have, so do not worry. Lord, show yourself to your people in at least this part of India and other places in the world that their needs would be met. Lord, hear our prayer. Meet their needs for the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, that's a wrap for today. I will let you go. I keep praying for our friends in many places, and let's make sure we fulfill our duty before God. Have a good day, everyone.